0: The
2: Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world because modern obstacles
0: require modern solutions. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use.
1: Today, do the spoiler theme song for this week. Spoilers.
2: How was that? That was good. Was that good? was that it was one. Good. It's the spoiler <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: cast. This time X-Men Apocalypse, where the theme song is different every week because we don't want to give anything away.
2: We're also going to be giving away a little bit more about the looking glass. Alice in the Looking Glass, because you know, it was a super complicated storyline. So we wanted to make sure that you knew about that one too. <laughs>
1: We're joined by our friend Sam, of course, who was also in the podcast proper. And Sam, you haven't seen Alice in the Looking Glass. Are you okay
3: with being not... spoiled? I'm absolutely I could not be more okay with
2: it. <laughs> Well, let's follow that one just really quick then, yeah, yeah, and let's, then we'll let's get more into the depth that. of uh, X-Men. Pretty much all I really wanted to kind of go into here is that in this story, um, you have Alice, who is, the the movie opens up with her being a ship captain and maneuvering. Creating
1: an amazing, you know, escape from. Naval move that escapes from pirates, other ships.
2: Three pirates that are trying to chase her down, so she does this, you know, amazing, we get to see her being this amazing captain and honestly i thought that it was going to be a dream sequence Uh but no this is actually alice's real life now she really is a ship captain she really has a ship that she's sailing on and it's her dad's ship she returns to harbor and this is where we find that you know just like any uh storyline where you've got characters that are going into alternate you know universes her real life has her and her mom without dad dad has passed away Kind of in a situation where they're dealing with being part of this, you know, high society world, uh, but not fitting the mold because Alice herself is such a dreamer. In fact, I think the name of her ship is called Wonder, Wonder, the Wonder, the Wonder. And in her real life, essentially, she's turned down a marriage proposal by uh, somebody that's in high society who has ownership of her home and wants her to sign over the wonder so that um, he can basically own their home too. And so Mm -hmm. you've got Alice trying to kind of maneuver through being somebody who fits in with the society, but also has the ability to be whatever she wants, including though it should not be possible a ship captain in, you know, this time in, in the
1: world. Is that her story then? The pursuit of becoming a ship cap- captain?
2: I think it's just the pursuit of her right to do whatever she wants.
1: Okay. So and, her,
2: and, and approval from her mother, who specifically she is her only family uh, that she has that left. Oh, is that the
1: family thing in that? Yeah. That's really tenuous. By the like...
2: end of this movie, when she returns to her world after visiting Wonderland, which she has a blip back into her world halfway through this movie. She kind of like reappears into her world. Totally unnecessary. Didn't need to return to her world whatsoever. Well, we did get to
1: see the wonderful actor who plays Moriarty and Sherlock come in as a insane asylum doctor and try to give but her a shot. Was,
2: that was ridiculous. That whole <laughs> scene was ridiculous. It was literally just she's back and now she's back in Wonderland. There was there was no reason to revisit. it Except for as a reminder that she has another world to return to well, at some but point. See,
1: but doesn't it speak to overall the issue that there are three stories here that they just didn't have enough time to really flesh out any of the stories? Because that's an attempt to flesh out Alice's Alice's story real life story real life story right well because when she's in wonderland it's not her story that we're supposed to care about no we're supposed to care about the mad hatter story and the, the sisters, sisters the queen sisters story which is
2: the unexpected we'll get to that here okay. in just a second basically the by the end of this movie when she returns to her real life she has decided that her family is more important her mother is more important than her being a ship captain and so she relinquishes yes you can sell the ship so that we can own our house mother and when her mother sees her being mistreated, you know, by society, she says, nope, we're going to let Alice do whatever Alice wants to do. And she rips up the deed and, you know, they storm off into the, the future. of That's just good parenting Captain right over. there. That's just <laughs> so, good parenting. So that was one of the stories going on. But yeah, at one point in time when um, Alice is realizing that she's going to have to sign over the wonder, she is going to have to become a clerk, you know, just fitting into the quote unquote woman's role of the age. There is a moment whenever the looking glass becomes obvious that she can go through it like a portal. And so she goes to the portal. And when she returns to Wonderland, she comes across the reality that the Mad Hatter. This is such a stupid story. <laughs> <laughs> the Mad Hatter has realized that his family didn't actually die uh, during ha- whatever. Whatever
1: day when the Jabberwocky was The Jabberwocky was burning everybody, was burning
2: everybody up that they're actually still alive and the only proof he has is a little paper hat that he finds in a field one day Mm -hmm. so based on finding the paper hat he thinks his family is alive and because literally because nobody believes him that his family is alive he begins to die Mm -hmm. just because people don't believe him yes now when alice shows up and she goes to talk to him because they're all like he's gone mad like in a bad way he's mad She goes to visit the Hatter and he tells her, I found this little paper hat. So I think my family survived an attack from the Jabberwocky all those years ago. She's like, um, I'm not sure that's possible. It's kind of like telling a fairy that you don't believe in fairies anymore and they drop down dead. (laughs) It's kind of like that. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, when she realizes his family was alive and she's gone on this big time adventure to go back in time to try to save his family, which is what she does.
1: Except for she doesn't.
2: And by the end of because, the because because I mean, she goes going, back in time. I going mean.
1: back in time actually does nothing. Yeah. Does no good except for it, you know teaches her things. We're not going to try to go
2: into all that. Yeah. I hope, Because that's just stupid stuff. But anyway, when she comes back to Hatter and says, "Hatter, you were right. Your family is alive." He's like white. His hair is white. All the hope. Every time hope goes out of him, his hair turns from red to white. white. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then she's like, "I believe you, Hatter," and he pretty much does a transformation. I
1: do believe in fairies. Yeah. I do, I, I do. I do, I do.
2: I do believe Hatter, and then he comes back. So that stuff was really, really, really hard to watch. Yeah. But some of the other scenes with the adventure and stuff were kind of fun, so it kind of makes up for it. But essentially, that's what it is, is just Alice deciding that she's going to try to help Hatter, and conveniently, the White Queen says, well, there is a way to travel back in time. You have to go visit Time himself to be able to do it.
1: So I get that this is the only thing we talked about in the show proper that I think we needed to chat spoilers for, just briefly, because I want to see if, if you can help me with this. The three stories, you say, that, uh, now I see that there is family involved in all of them, right? So yeah. the, the Alice and her mom have an issue to work through. The Mad Hatter has an issue with finding his family and, and being approved by his dad.
2: Approval is yeah. his storyline. And, and si- the
1: sisters have a fight where... The, it's
2: forgiveness in their storyline.
1: Right, right. But they're three different themes. Yes.
2: So, like, it just doesn't. That's why it sucks, right?
1: If all the (laughs) if all the themes lined up, I think it would be better. But that isn't a theme of forgiveness in this movie. It isn't a theme of acceptance. No. It's
2: it's not the same theme. Yeah. It's it's a really really poorly executed and it
1: never feels like you have any time enough in any of the one stories to really feel it like they want you to feel it I
2: completely agree yeah I think what they're trying to do in this movie is that while Alice is on an adventure to try to go back in time and save Mad Hatter's family she accidentally uncovers the storyline of the two sisters the two queens mm-hmm. and we realize that uh the this off with her heads you know Queen the Red Queen has a history the reason she became the way that she is was actually kind of quote-unquote the fault of the other sister for not telling the truth. Yeah, she lied time. about
1: stealing a, a tart, a fruit tart. Yeah.
2: Anyway, it all, it's all sounds crazy, and it's all really stupid. It kind of is. But if you like that universe, there is a little bit of depth there. There's a little bit of like, oh, that's interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why her head is huge. Now we know why, <laughs> you know. Because she bumped it. Yeah. Or, or, or now we know why they hate each other so much. Because, you know, the one sister lied, and it kind of had a cause-and-effect reaction. And then we also learned that, you know, in Mad Hatter's case, his family, his dad didn't disapprove of him as much as you thought. He actually, you know, loved him and he actually cared about him.
1: But there's no character change in that. No. It's just we learned that we were wrong. Yeah. Which is so much more boring than if a character really actually boring. grows or changes. It's really, you know? really boring. Very
2: superficial. So. Highly recommend you just rent this one. Um, it's Or something- just ignore it. Well, but if you like the first movie, That's true. it's kind of nice universe, to go back to the yeah, that yeah universe if you love the universe that kind of stuff. And there were some fun scenes, not great ones, but there were some okay scenes in this one.
1: So what do we want to talk about spoiler-wise with X-Men Apocalypse? There's obviously a lot, you know, kind of in the plot and back and forth. Sam, what do you think? What's like important kind of to focus on in this plot as we kind of dig into the spoilers?
3: As in, what do you think the the what do you think is important about the plot?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like where should we go? What 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 should we chat about?
3: Well, I mean, I think the film wants to have a theme of family in the same respect as um, Alice in Wonderland, Mm -hmm. from the looks of it. Um, uh, it, I kind of wanted it to go more into it, but not the way they did, ultimately, because, you know, you've got Mystique and Nightcrawler in the same movie interacting, and if anyone knows those characters, they're mother and son in the comics. And they kind of allude to it in uh, X-Men 2, um, though they never quite come out and say it, but if you see X Men First Wait. Class,
2: hold on, what?
3: <laughs> so
2: Nightcrawler um, is Mystique's in... baby. Yes. Shut the front door.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you might be able to work that out if you saw X Men First Class, because it ends with her going off with Azazel, who is the
2: oh! uh, the red devilish
3: teleporter yes. chap.
2: Okay, okay, um, it's all making has... sense.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they used the exact same special effect for his teleportation. So if you put two, two and two together, I thought you'd it was it
2: familiar. I really did.
3: Mm, um, but so I, I kind of thought and the fact that they had Quicksilver there with Magneto. Wait, um,
2: wait, wait. Hold on a second. I'm still freaking out. Just give me one second. <laughs> so does she know then that that's her son I whenever she no goes idea. to save him from the circus?
3: I have no I mean, idea. Well, it's not, the, not the circus.
2: The fighting, <laughs> the fighting ring in Russia or whatever. She,
1: I can't, I can't assume she'd have given birth without knowing she'd have given birth. To right? I don't know. To a blue person with a tail? Yeah, I think she would know. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is you've also got Scott there with Havoc, who, and
3: he's his brother. I expected, you know, they have, thing, they have things about family in there, um, which could have been made to make a more cohesive overall theme. Um, and a thematic arc, but I don't quite See, think they they got there. And I don't understand why Quicksilver doesn't tell Magneto he's his son at the end.
1: Yeah, I'm not I, sure either.
2: I'm wondering personally, so that we have a cliffhanger or something,
1: so that it
3: can be um, used in a future movie.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's my assumption. Um, I thought this movie was about was going to be more about and had had kind of like the bubbling of coming into your own power. That's what I kind of thought it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Really understanding your own power, what it means and what you stand for, whether you're with these people or you're with these people. It
1: no, was certainly Scott's, Scott Summers. Well, kind and of it's growth.
2: what it's what Mystique preaches to the X-Men kids whenever, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about like, hey, we got a our own power. And even Apocalypse himself, his whole thing is helping the mutants that are close to him realize their full potential by basically, you know, going into that kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I maybe like a quickening or, or an amplification of their power sure, as we sure. I think we're supposed to understand that his 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 ability one of his many abilities that he's acquired over these millennia of basically stealing other mutants powers and, and encompassing their body and you know he to me was going into them somehow and just ramping up like turning it turning the dial on their power all the way up because I mean he was able to help. Professor X basically reached the entire population without using cerebral.
1: Yeah, he's he's sort of like uh like you know you get those those Wi-Fi extenders <laughs> you know where like you need your your, your Wi-Fi to do a little bit better. A perfect, perfect analogy.
2: But it seems to be so it's not permanent. Maybe it's just around him that it's amped up. Yeah,
1: it could be something like that. I know it's it was really so basically apocalypse is. Is the first mutant, but is also basically a god. He was worshipped in ancient Egypt. And so there was a. And we never really got any backstory to why the ancient Egyptians decided to like revolt against him, but apparently they do. We need to sit on
2: this for a second. I'm really curious, Sam, your opinion on this too. Apparently, you can build a pyramid to completely crumble (laughs) by two to four, maybe? uh-huh large stones stones going through a chute that someone decided to build
1: yeah it's a self destruct basically to,
2: yes. they have a self-destruct mechanism for a pyramid it's a video game it's right <laughs> like um, i've never yeah. i don't know that one wh- why What
3: what's interesting about that opening is it opened with such a craziness you know i never expected you know if you go back and watch the first x-men film i never expected we'd see you know ancient egypt and apocalypse surrounded by his four horse four horsemen and all that kind of stuff and it kind of opens with an admirable craziness that i thought would lead into this more colorful adventure right um and then it just kind of like we've said time and again it can't decide you know kind of tonally what it wants to do can i can i go can we talk about the quicksilver scene because yeah yeah yeah. Uh, because I'm hearing a lot of people say, you know, they loved the scene, and I thought it was a very enjoyable sequence, good choice of music. Um, Removing the fact that I think they've kind of just redone the scene from Days of Future Past and made it bigger. Yes, yes. I could not get over the fact that it tonally tonally completely undercuts, and we are completely in spoiler territory here, completely undercuts the death of Havoc.
1: That's a great point. No, that's a a great point
3: the second he goes downstairs and you can't see havoc and you know that the flames have engulfed him I thought oh God and you know I, I could tell his death was coming because you know what it, I, I could predict it because I knew Scott was going to be in this um, and I thought that was a good way to go to do it um, but you know you, he goes downstairs and the whole thing's played for laughs and we're meant to be laughing I'm just I, it, I, it jarred for me I was just thinking I'm, I don't want to laugh havoc's dead and, and by the time the scene ends you know we're all laughing. Right. And then Scott comes back, and 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 Quicksilver's like, "Well, I thought I got everyone," and it's just, I I was sitting there thinking, "Wow, were they not aware of no, what you're was absolutely happening right. in the scene?" And you it know really bothered me, and it stopped me from enjoying the sequence. Which I think, you know, I you know, I chuckled, and but in the context, I didn't think it worked at all.
1: No, I think wow. you're absolutely right. In and, and and it's an easy fix. Well, I shouldn't say easy, but I can imagine how story-wise why wouldn't you have that scene same idea Quicksilver shows up and the the bomb is going off and he's doing all these incredibly things you have a couple choices here one you can have it be funny and you know still do the clever stuff and the funny stuff and then there's a transition that happens as he's still in his scene where he realizes Havoc's too close to the the Blaze and Maybe he has a last second, you know, attempt at trying to say Havoc, but he can't so that the scene is allowed to shift tonally so that we do yeah. feel the, the full weight of Havoc. Um, I think that's an option. The other option is that the entire scene is tonally different, that he still does the same effect and he still does, you know, the, the slow motion, fast stuff and the creative saving people stuff. But the entire scene still has a dark tone to it because a character is dying. I think, you know, either of those options you could play with and would work a lot better.
3: I don't know. Because
1: you're absolutely or, right. Mm, it totally
3: yeah, or, under- or, you know, a, or a moral conundrum even. You know, do I save this guy from the flames or do I save yes. this girl who's about to get, you know, because they do that with characters that have super speed. Do I stop this guy from getting hit by a bullet or do I stop this person from getting engulfed by flames? They could have done something interesting there.
2: But I think um, what they knew is that it was going to remove the humor aspect. And I think that they just disa- they sacrificed the death of him the ha- of havoc to f- to amplify up because let me Trin- tell you as someone sitting in the theater didn't even realize he was there didn't even realize he was gone didn't even realize like i had no idea until the reveal that he was too close to the fire i literally just assumed he saved him like i was just like do you know what i'm saying like i didn't mm. i didn't realize that he was dead maybe and- that was
1: the intention maybe the intention was for it to be a I shocker i missed it
2: i missed it um maybe and, I, and I just i still I didn't agreed. want to laugh Right, but I agree with you that I kind of am like, oh, I should be feeling sad, because you're right, yeah. I should have emotions that are able, and maybe they should have um, honored that character more by giving him a scene, but it would have changed everything, because...
1: I wish I could, I could pull an example. I know there are examples. I know I've, I've watched a movie do this, where something is genuinely funny, and the audience is laughing, but they find a way to... Shift and it can almost be more powerful when you're like having a good time with yeah. something, and then you're shifted into oh my goodness, it just got real. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know I've seen a movie do that before, so I think there is a way to do that where you can still have the humor and then just shift quickly yeah. into you know the realization. Well, but,
3: I, I will say that I don't think it's helped by the fact that um, I, I'll say right now there was there's a Wolverine cameo in this movie that to me. Feels completely unnecessary, completely Thank contrived, you. shoehorned. Yeah. I, I, and I think it is. I think it really, really hurts the film because once that sequence is over, Cyclops really, this should be Cyclops's moment. This should be his time to you
2: know, you know it's so to, true to, to, for us to
3: us to, for us to feel that death and let the character breathe and you know let it impact on both him and us. But because we have to have this. Contractually obligated Wolverine cameo, the whole movie, the cameo contrives an entire set piece of the team getting taken to Alkali Lake Weapon X. You know, and it's I don't why you know, and it's why couldn't we had we taken that out, we could have had more breathing room with these characters, and I think I I feel bad for Ty Sheridan because he gets given the potential to have such great character depth and and you know but the pacing is just so click 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 we've got to get to the next set piece we've got to keep on going and i just uh, emotionally and tonally i just the, the film's all over the place to me
0: mm-hmm.
2: i i'm completely with you on that because each at each point when when you have the opportunity to have this young team really gelling a huge missed opportunity for me why not show what happened at the mall why not see Jubilee yes! and jane gray oh, why not why not take us to the mall that would have been yeah. a fantastic moment for us to Let's see them teaming team to them together together, and possibly even have something happen where they begin to gel as a team and realize their potential when they work together. Huge missed opportunity there because we're focusing on these this other storyline. Similar to what you're saying, you know, why not let this scene, uh, you know, where there have been cap- the Mystique and Beast have been captured and, you know, that they're trying to you know, rescue everybody um, and even Quicksilver, they're all captured. You know, why not let this new team rescue them but instead it's a killing rampage by wolverine that inadvertently saves them from having to have battle all these guys which one of the things that took me out of it when they save um you know mystique and beast and quicksilver and they walk out mystique says oh i can see you've been busy okay <laughs> first of all they
3: murdered all those people
2: if your child because mm-hmm. it looks like it's Nightcrawler, you know. Mm-hmm. If you, if if your kids, if your people, if your young ones, just brutally murdered and dismembered, what, 20 people? And they're strewn about a hallway that is now filled and sticky and nasty with blood? Like, that's not something you just casually walk over.
1: I agree. Yeah. I will say, Mystique has always had, as part of her character, the warrior Killing is fine mentality. Like she, but nobody
2: is bothered by it. Nobody. Yeah, no, 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 no. I know.
1: I'm, I'm with you. Know? you. I just, if there I was is an an Nightcrawler, I'd be like,
2: yeah, I didn't do this. You know, mm-hmm. and they just yeah. say, yeah, I think they said we, we had help. You know, yeah, I, they just said we had a little help,
3: and then they just don't offer any. But it's not questions.
2: an inside joke. I would be going like, guys, we just saw somebody with claws murder somebody. Like there would be. And that's the part that bothers me about it—not really being "quote unquote" a realistic plot, a realistic conversation. Mm-hmm. Because you're right; it's all about getting that next scene. It's button-up conversation. They're not interested in their environment. These characters are not interested in what's going on. They're interested we, in we getting to, get to the them next to the action scene. scene. Yes, and yeah, that, we've, we've got to get
3: them in those costumes. We've got to yep. get them on that plane. You yes. know, no time to talk about things. Which
2: and, okay, yeah. So they get in this plane, and which is made of metal, um, and they fly to the <laughs> epicenter where apocalypse has gathered magneto and storm and this other girl i don't remember that who is the other the one that has uh, psylocke psylocke who's
1: completely wasted
2: and so they have i her. don't even know
1: I'm, I'm not like a like an x-men other than the movies i don't do a lot of you know auxiliary studying or whatever what is psylocke's thing i mean i know she has some sort of pink power that's, that's sword, another but,
3: thing they, no, they never really elaborate what her thing is nor do we i feel like angel as well gets probably the, probably gets less of a tribute in this than he did in X Men Three, and you know back then we were even saying that he was wasted. Um, you know I don't I don't know much about those characters, but I know that they are characters mm-hmm. and that you can flesh them out. I'll say that I I hated Magneto's arc and development because oh, yeah. they force him into a place where he has to go down essentially the same dark path that he went through in First Class, mm-hmm. where. He's forced into a villain role. I don't understand why these four horsemen need motivations to join up with Apocalypse, because in the source material, one of Apocalypse's abilities is mind control. Why couldn't we have just done that? And and then because there's, I mean, we can all agree there's way too much happening in this movie. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is just try and, you know, space it out and and take a few things away just so that we have more breathing room and things don't feel so like we've tried to throw so many things in here. I you know I don't understand why they couldn't have... when I saw the trailer and I saw Magneto you know you know using his um metal powers to capture Charles Xavier and you know things I wouldn't have expected him to do because he is he's his friend you know um as much as they're against each other um you know they're friends and he's exactly. not going to endanger Charles Xavier's life
2: It's all and... it's all plot convenience it's all just yeah, convenience
3: And the frustrating thing about it is that I can't stand the the arc they give him because the it's so broad it's you've got a family with us and you know that like you said tonight it's, it's like a saturday morning cartoon
2: why why would he suddenly you know feel a sense of um family towards the people that he ends up leaving again at the end of the movie by the way you would think that it would yeah. have been because he realized that quicksilver was his son and maybe it's just like oh we're not actually gonna go there tricks on you but that actually made more sense than what you just did You know, it made more sense for Magneto to really realize that he has a family, like a legitimate family that is having his leg broken and potentially murdered, you know, that that would get his attention. But it still doesn't answer the question how. Okay, so if he's controlling the powers of the magnets of the world um, or, the you know, and he's creating like all of this kind of almost like selective destruction. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Mm -hmm. selective. It doesn't seem is he it was he just working with. The magnetic, like, f- field somehow. I have because
1: no idea what Magneto was doing in that final because scene.
2: Because <laughs> I understand that there was a exposition moment where they tried to explain it from the control center of, I'm guessing, the United States. Well, you know, I know they, 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 they kind were kind of trying to explain control- it
1: deep into the metal that's deep
2: into that the earth yeah. something about
1: the
3: polar regions of the, so, the magnetic polar something to you know do with techno battle
2: his <laughs> his powers even when he destroys auschwitz in this his powers which that was convenient we're going to take you here and then we're going to show you this cool big moment whenever you control your powers which nobody else had that happen so why are we doing this right now it's just it was like this doesn't make sense but you see like it looks like he has just spouts of metal kind of like flying around him. Like, mm-hmm. it looked like almost like, yeah, um, like, tor- like small tornado funnels, mm-hmm. that, you know? And then by the end of the movie, when he's attempting to destroy the entire world, I guess, same kind of a concept, right? There's like this funnel of metal that's sort of ringing around um, the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever. But that doesn't explain how. If everything metal is being jarred it's it's only certain kinds it's only what's convenient for the scene you know it's only convenient for what's in that I moment. have no idea I don't even know what was they, convenient for the scene landed, I don't even understand They landed a metal plane 20 50 feet from him
1: Well but he's always been able to selectively control metal But
2: why is he selectively controlling it in funnel shapes like well, I just no, don't understand no, no. That.
1: I, That's what I'm saying I have no clue what he's doing I I don't I don't I have no clue what his role was in I, that final scene
2: I'm so confused about this movie
1: Yeah
3: i i even thought i as much as i admire brian singer's attention to the subtext of the x-men i thought the action was really poorly executed i didn't think it had much range i thought it was awkward and i didn't have fun watching it i thought it was yeah really bland and i
2: you know I the aesthetic to. of
3: the film yeah i wanted to as well and you know the aesthetic of the film and the way everything looked i just thought everything looked a bit gray and bluey and ugly really i, I wasn't i didn't enjoy what i was watching you know i i should feel like oh yeah when you know uh gene gray decides to let her powers go completely loose and and you know and, and all of the x-men team up and everyone's shooting their their stuff at apocalypse but it it, it was a moment that you it didn't the film didn't earn it
2: no it didn't I'm saying? earn it and it didn't
3: earn that great moment no and, it didn't and actually actually mentioning um Jean gray they're obviously doing kind of they're kind of alluding to the phoenix Mm -hmm. having now seen that um brian singer has wiped the slate clean of all the bad x-men movies through the continuity change in days of future past and seeing him kind of give the finger to x-men origins wolverine and showing how it's nothing like that movie, with when we see the Wolverine in this movie, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't help but wonder if his return is just equating to fixing stuff. And I think that's if they, if it is, that's really petty, because yeah. in first class they already have established through various means that you know these movies are completely ignoring you know X Men Origins Wolverine and 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 um, the original trilogy. Days of Future Past openly ignores that. So we've al- we've already established that series doesn't want to talk about those films. I don't think we needed another example of it, and I I don't get the Wolverine cameo. I don't I don't get the film. I don't, I don't know what it's trying to tell me. I'm confused.
2: I I well, feel I, like it was just a showcase of of people's powers. It was just like we're going to showcase powers, and we're not we're not going to really care about the storyline. We just want we want. Um, I I'm serious. I think
1: they try. Like I I don't think it was. I don't know. I. <sighs> There is a, a seed of something there, a,
2: but but that's because we're familiar with the story. There really isn't for me anything mm-hmm. really to pull from this movie. If you just watch it completely devoid of any other relationship to any other movie, you just go in and you see this movie. What is this movie about? It's just about people showing off their powers and having almost yeah. and almost not having any repercussions for it. Like almost, you know. There's kind of like the we're going to get rid of all the superpowers and we're going to get rid of all the gods and we're going to get rid of all this stuff, you know. And it's, but but that folds mm-hmm. in on itself too everything folds in on itself it's just a showcase this is just a whole bunch of people you know what's missing you know showing their stuff you know even the phoenix just... i want to hear what you have to say but i have something to say about the Phoenix. no no go again. ahead go ahead if i remember correctly and maybe a lot has changed because comics continue to to know change if i remember correctly jean gray when she becomes a phoenix is really quickly turns evil like the phoenix Easy.
3: The, the phoenix it in, inhabits her body. The
2: power of the phoenix is not something to take lightly. In fact, whenever the, it, it came up, you know, when she sort of just begins to destroy in the older, you know, where it was uh, P- Patrick Stewart playing. In, mm-hmm. And like she that's that's yeah. true to that character. Jean Grey doesn't go full phoenix until after she's been able to try to control her own powers for a long time. So when when he flipped that switch and she went full phoenix, I was like, really? You know, I don't
1: think they were saying she went full Phoenix. I think that was like a glimpse. I think that was
2: yeah. Well, she was. I think it
1: was supposed to be at least.
2: I don't know. That was to me. That was just like that's not how that character is supposed to be. But whatever. Yeah. You know, that was kind of frustrating.
1: That character is supposed to be Sansa Stark. That's who. that character is supposed to be. Well,
3: Jean, Jean Grey is. Uh, she was for a long time before the Phoenix persona took her over. She was known as the as Phoenix. Was she not? Was she, that not her superhero alias for a little
2: while? It was, but that was. Like, right at the very end of her. I mean, the phoenix is the end right. of Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. She actually yeah. goes and destroys herself because the, the power is so chaotic. It cannot be controlled. That's the whole point. It's like, okay, so if you're already playing with this young person who we're supposed to believe is just coming into her powers and he's saying, let go, let go, let go. And she goes she goes to the phoenix. It's like, okay, there's not really a lot left for you then. <laughs> like, you're about to fizzle out and destroy the world. Like, she basically turned into apocalypse. Phoenix destroys the population that is also if i remember correctly what the phoenix is like it's just about just complete power Too much power yeah
1: unbridled power so it's is. almost the
2: same character except for she's somehow she's somehow uh focusing her phoenix power to specifically aim at apocalypse and this is when we get to see you know like he mentioned something about this is a really weird blue and gray movie or something i was like speaking of yeah weird, i almost said speaking of weird blue and gray you know, the ap- apocalypse, <laughs> apocalypse character himself, we get to see some of his armor come off. And I think that we were supposed to have some sort of understanding that that was part of his built in power. Well, all if we this were, armor.
1: I mean, if we were, they didn't do a very good job of telling us. Because like... by the
2: end, he has no armor on and he's just this blue guy who is being incinerated. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, add that to the list of ways we see people die. <laughs> Incineration, yeah. you know, he's incinerated by the, the power of the Phoenix, but nobody else is apparently yeah. she can we I don't know
3: um apparently no one lives in Cairo right because for the, th- <laughs> okay, in, the so third was... act, in the third act they're watching over Cairo on like this really awkward sound stage um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of rocks. um and then and then they go there and there's no one there I were they meant was there a, I didn't see anyone yeah. Well, are that's... people meant to have died? Are people meant to have? Are they meant to have got people out of there? I, I don't know. I clearly missed something. So or the miss, or the movie missed something.
1: So that was the realization that I had before you went into the Phoenix thing that I wanted to say
0: mm-hmm.
1: was I'm just realizing how little there is of human representation in this movie. It is yeah. all mutant, and that is a key missing part of the X-Men storyline is how humans react to what's going on that's where we get to put ourselves and go how would we react as a human you know in this world and there's just well that's
3: yeah that's where where the philosophy um right side of it comes from and ideologies and and societies and all that kind of stuff and civil rights there's none of that in this film
1: the only we i mean we have striker right like we get a striker reference in the you know in the people who are basically just the red shirts of you know the the world that that die at Wolverine's claws or however, but for the most part it's just mutant on mutant action and it's like, but where where are the humans? What are they fighting for? Yeah, what are they? Are they fighting for us? Like, are they fighting for the humans? Like, are, how do we play yeah. into this? Where, what's my role in this story? What's my role in this movie? In uh, this is my world too. If I live in this you know uh, imaginary universe, so it's. That's just interesting to me. I just kind of realized that there's no human perspective in this to really yeah. to
2: blame on to. I just did a little bit of Phoenix research.
1: Mm-hmm. I was Good.
2: I am proud a, to say I was pretty right on. It's a
1: city in Arizona.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the Phoenix power, is it was started as an entity, a cosmic sort of entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jean Grey taps into that entity through, it's like the, the source of all like, uh, uh uh, psionic psionic energy hmm. that exists in the universe and I guess it has like kind of like a personality to it she taps into it. Um, so they were trying to create a character that was on the level of power of like Thor and Claremont. Uh, is it Claremont? Uh, Dave Cockrum and so Jean Grey endured hazardous radiation and amplified her mutant powers and then she adopted a new code named Phoenix but the power soon corrupted her and, into a f- force of total destruction. So it does end up corrupting her so anyhow there's an interesting article that's already been out, uh, uh, that just released i think in response to that um that was on uh i think it was on marvel
1: point being you don't mess with the phoenix you don't
2: <laughs> it was uh, a yeah. uh, inverse and why, why inverse. would you wanna... dot com, and it's called explaining phoenix jean gray's uh, apocalypse so
3: yeah um, i I don't because i'm seeing i've seen people comment on certain reviews and things saying oh my god i you know i I got really excited when i saw the phoenix stuff i don't understand why and i'm sure this is mainly a comic book fan thing but this this is a a thing that comes from comic book fans in that if if a story isn't done particularly well they want to see it tried again and again and again and i don't get that at all i think if we you know there are so many stories to do from comic books. I still hear people saying they need to redo Venom and the Black Symbiote arc for Spider Man, which I think they should take a long break from before doing that again. Um and in the same respect, I don't want to see the Phoenix again. They've already done it. Even if it wasn't necessarily that good, you know, movies that... aren't as they're not as frequent as comic books. You can't, you know, redo go them all that. the time.
2: It doesn't have anything yeah. to go after that.
3: Yeah, you end up you have to kill Gene Grey. I mean Yeah, as...
2: literally. You have to kill Jean Grey. That is the solution to the Phoenix problem. And so why not let her be an amazing telekinetic, like telekinetics? Why not let her be that incredible mind power that rivals, Mm -hmm. you know, Professor X? They missed a huge, like, that is her character development. Her next logical step is to become like Professor X and begin to get into their mind and do these things. It's not to go to, it's not to go to Phoenix. Hello. (laughs) Oh, anyway.
1: I said it from uh, the very first X-Men movie. I said uh, they have an opportunity, Fox has an opportunity with this franchise to print money for years and years and years because there are so many characters. There are such a vast array of stories that already exist, Mm -hmm. new stories you could tell. Like you could write a new story with these characters. You don't even have to pull it from a comic book that you know you you just when one character isn't working do a new one but they continue to go back to the same characters yes. the same that was well, that's my big
3: that's one of my big mm-hmm. issues and you know we have all these we have this young these this new young cast that inject the movie with this kind of youthful energy that you really you know they're colorful they're fun like you said tonight i really wanted to see them at the mall and i'm pretty certain nice. they shot something for Ugh. i'm pretty certain they shot a scene at the mall that was then cut out because i think there's a tv spot somewhere that has footage from it of nightcrawler drinking a um a, a cold drink for the first time or something and
2: he he is um, wearing a michael jackson uh jacket when he comes out back to yeah the movie. and i love
3: their outfits so. <laughs> loved the, loved all of their outfits it was um,
2: great that was great
3: and yeah and i don't i will admit i don't get jennifer lawrence as mystique i liked her in first class i think she uh, she's annoying for a reason in that movie because she's a teenager going through stuff um and i I understand her motives in Days of Future Past. At this point, I think they're, they're really. They're doing it under the false pretext that they want to give her new things to do because she's such a great character, when really, it's just because Jennifer Lawrence is a really big star now. And I, ju- I think she's on autopilot in this movie, and I think her character arc of, you gotta be a hero a little bit more, is is lazy it's uninteresting and i have no interest in seeing a movie of her leading the x-men i want cyclops to do it
1: (laughs) yeah i
2: agree with that
1: yeah no no no, i agree with that too um
2: (laughs) oh if only they listened to our podcasts
1: i will say i'll just reiterate this after listening to you guys kind of you know chatter about a lot of stuff i still think i liked it better than you guys did like I, i i know i had more fun than you did sam and like i think of Scenes like the... um,
2: When he splits the tree. When he
1: splits the tree. Or, you know, he's trying to figure it out. Like, I remember there were several, you know, good kind of laugh moments in... I mean, it does go to your point about tonality, and I agree with that. There is a, a, a kind of a tonality confusion in this movie at times. But I still think I had a good time. I think it just comes down for me. I just love this universe. And, you know, I can be disappointed and still look forward to going back. You know, so... Well, That's I'm curious how they're
2: gonna pick up the pieces and kind of make another film. Like what's the what's that landing point? They just had a complete and total yeah. world destruction mm-hmm. at the hands of mutants. So, you know, and now they're teaching their top mutants how to fight together. Can you imagine so. a
1: world can you imagine a world where Marvel still owned the X Men completely and were integrating it into the MCU and oh, I think about that stuff sometimes, like how they would See, do I lay like-
2: awake at night thinking <laughs> about these things. <laughs>
3: See, I think actually that the X Men of
1: Property works really well separated
3: from I do Marvel too. because I've had I've I've had um my partner asked me one day, so is Captain America a mutant? And I said, Well no, because he um because he he had the Super Soldier serum, and yada yada yada. But when you think about it, you know, the idea is people in the Marvel Universe like Captain America and certain other superheroes, yet they don't like mutants, but if you're an average Joe in this universe, how can you tell that Spider-Man isn't a mutant when you don't know his origin and backstory? I think that detail is actually quite a big thing, and I think the the X-Men as a franchise, you have so many characters like you said, that I think it really works on its own. I think they're running out of of i think they should stop doing the whole jumping 10 years into the future thing because lo- logistically james mcavoy should be what in his 50s by now or something <laughs> yeah. close to that yeah um and he obviously isn't and they're, they're planning on making the next movie in the 90s and i just feel like the next maybe yeah. they're maybe they're cuttings maybe they're cutting something off from being able to continue a story yeah because they have to we, we have to find these characters again, and we have to pick it up again, and we have to, you know, remind people of things, and I, maybe, I think maybe they should drop that. I think maybe, I would like to see a sequel to X-Men Apocalypse that takes place, you know, the next month. Yeah, or Something like that.
1: I totally agree. Um, and, and just to clarify, when I say imagine a world where, where Marvel still owns the rights and they're in the MCU, I don't mean I want that to happen. I agree with you, actually, that they work, they work right. very well separated. I mean... I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would look like like you know just curiosity's sake yeah. like what Marvel would be doing with that but Avengers versus X-Men yeah that'd be cool wow yeah that'd be interesting well thanks Sam appreciate you hanging in for some spoilers and if nobody thanks has thanks for any... having me on it always feels... a pleasure Lots oh that's no, great it's Yay. great stuff so we'll catch you next time we've got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming up so Yay. I'll spoil that. I'll spoil <laughs> that one for dude. you. I'll spoil that one for you right now.
2: There are turtles.
1: <laughs> there are turtles. They're going to be doing
2: <laughs> martial arts.
1: They have powers. Donatello does machines.
0: <laughs> it's mut-
1: mutant turtles.